0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro.
1: Welcome to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 166. I am your host, Mark Shapiro, and my guest in episode 166 is Fred Gutenberg. Fred is one of the most impactful and important activists we have in the work around increasing gun safety and working against gun violence in the United States. And he comes on to talk about how he stepped into this work in the immediate aftermath of his 14-year-old daughter, Jamie's murder in the 2018 Parkland school shooting. We get into overcoming fear. We get into embracing connection. We get into his drive and his motivation to speak with anyone who reaches out to him. It's a really, really compelling conversation with someone who, when you listen to him, when you watch him, when you just sort of feel his energy, you see that drive and you see that commitment. It's incredibly inspiring. It's incredibly motivating. It's also really, really sad and difficult because we know where this came from and we know the genesis of it. We also spend some time talking about the work that he's doing in Jamie's memory with his organization, Orange Ribbons for Jamie and the wonderful fundraiser that they have coming up. There's links for all of this in the show notes, but the fundraiser is a live comedy show in Fort Lauderdale on February 12th. And the links are all there if you want to go, if you want to look, if you want to contribute, if you want to learn more about Aura Driven's for Jamie, I really encourage you to go there and take a look. Before we get to the conversation with Fred, please do take the opportunity, if you haven't subscribed to Explore the Space, we're on all your favorite platforms, definitely come and find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can find me on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. If you're subscribing to the show, definitely please do leave us a rating and a review on whichever platforms you like. That really helps the show out. But I will also say there is nothing better if you have the chance to tell someone that you know, work with, enjoy spending time with, to tell them about Explore the Space and help spread the show by word of mouth. That is the best way to spread it and I really appreciate the support. I also really appreciate you listening to this episode and listening to Fred. There is much work yet to be done and the the messages that he has for us around how to do it, how to connect, how to stay motivated – are really, really impactful. There's a great deal to take away from this as well. In the show notes, there's also a link to all of the other episodes around gun violence that we've done on Explore the Space. It's a very compelling group of episodes with important leaders from across the spectrum on this essential issue. So please do take a listen to those episodes if you like. And without further ado, Fred Gutenberg. Fred, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I can only imagine the number of people that reach out to you for comment, for insight, for empathy, to converse. I want to just start by saying I've been emailing you for the better part of a year. And (laughs) the fact that you have been able to, A, continue to adjust your schedule, B, be flexible, and C, allow this to actually take place. I want to start with a thank you because that actually really meant a lot to me. And it means a lot to us moving forward on this path to trying to get better. So thank you.
0: Well, listen, you're welcome. Thankfully, you've been persistent because I do have somewhat of a, a, a crazy, chaotic schedule, and I try to accommodate everyone that I possibly can as it relates to talking about this topic. We're in
1: the midst of a public health epidemic around gun violence. And I want to ask you, because like you said, You do so much speaking. You do so much public engagement. You've also, you and your family have suffered a tragedy. Take us to that higher strategic level. Take us up high and just, I'd like to get your sense of where we as a nation are around the subject of gun violence. Is it different? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it a mix? I'm really curious to see when you take that high level view knowing what you know, experiencing what you've experienced, where would you describe where we are now?
0: Well, where we are now as a nation is we are a nation that is primarily in support of doing something about gun violence. You know, listen, the data on that is clear. And if you go state by state, city by city, you see more being done to deal with gun violence every day than we've ever seen before. However, the reality of a serious disconnect that and what's still happening in Washington, D.C. exists, the House gets it. They are doing what they can to pass legislation, but we still have the Senate, which is a complete roadblock, and a president who takes calls from the NRA. Where we are now is this is an issue that I think will be a top three voting issue in the next election and I think it's going to be a part of why the Senate will flip. And I'm optimistic that we will have a president who will sign gun safety legislation. But I would also say where we are now may be more concerning than ever before because while I believe we're winning the public policy argument and the legislative argument, the judiciary is turning. And these all this legislative stuff that's getting passed a lot of this is eventually going to go in front of courts and we may now be looking at a judiciary that won't be very supportive it's a so, it, it's a it's challenging, challenging, challenging reflection
1: of what i learned in grade school junior high and high school around the three branches of government listening to you say all of that it, it brings all of that back to light and it's a really helpful perspective and i will just share congressman thompson is is actually the Congressman for my district, and he's the the author of the bill around universal background checks. And uh, so I agree with you, the House has sort of done what it can. What I'm hearing, though, is that at least for right now, the primary drivers of change are going to be at the voting booth, are going to be political. Am I am I hearing that right from you? Because you you do speak with people from all around the country and you have this presence. So we hear the narratives. We know what people are saying. Now we have to see what happens when the rubber meets the road, so to speak.
0: No, listen, it, it is going to be political. Look at what happened in the House last election and all the seats that flipped and they flipped on this issue. You're going to see it again in the Senate and voters are being very clear as to what they want. So it is going to be political. And over the course of the next year, sadly, we're going to be reminded as to why this is so important, because there will be other shootings. There was one yesterday in Seattle, Washington. Fortunately, only one person died. So I'm not even sure it's making the rounds of the news, but a bunch were injured. There's going to be successful mass shootings between now and the next election. And when you have... This number of mass shootings, when you have 40,000 people a year dying from gun violence, actually more now, every American family ends up getting touched. You know, I was sitting with a governor, actually the Florida governor's office yesterday, and talking about why I need them to do more. And not typically who you would think of as being supportive. I will tell you, though, when I talked about how every family is going to be touched, One of the members of his administration ended up talking about how their family was touched by gun violence. So the reality is you can't ignore it. It's going to touch all of us. And yet we have ways that we can go about doing something that will save lives, not stop all the gun violence, but that will save lives.
1: So that gets us to the next place where I really am hopeful to learn from you because you had to very swiftly make a choice after a life-changing tragedy that affected your entire family with the murder of your daughter to become an extraordinarily effective advocate. And that's 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 a comment that I will pass to you that in my observation and learning about advocacy and learning about public speaking on sensitive topics, you have you are at that apex. You you've got very very good very very quickly. Give us a sense When you made that decision that this is the work that I'm going to do, and you've been very public, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. What were the places that you started to build momentum in terms of getting better, in terms of learning how to do it, in terms of gaining that insight so that when you
0: spoke, you could actually be effective? The day after Jamie died, I attended um, a vigil in Parkland for the community. And when I got there, the mayor asked if I wanted to say some words. And I decided I would. I didn't go there prepared. I just went up there and I let it rip. And while standing there that night, after 24 hours of this crazy whirlwind and emotional nightmare, it hit me that my family was a victim of gun violence, that my community was a victim of gun violence. And that night, changed me. I knew from that night on that I would be in the middle of this. I didn't really know how to plan, but I knew I would be in the middle of this. I think one of the reasons why I've been able to do what I do is because what my daughter went through running down a hallway with an active shooter in her back, that's real fear and anxiety, the kind that I'll never have. What my brother went through with the World Trade Center falling on him, that's fear and anxiety, the kind that I'll never have. And so it's had this weird effect. I've lost the capacity for fear and anxiety, which I think is one of the reasons that I might have been limited in doing some of the vocal stuff that I'm doing. But I don't have that anxiety anymore. I just have this desire, this mission, this need to shape people, to get people to understand that this could happen to you, that you could say goodbye to somebody you love and five minutes later find out they're no longer there because of this. Or, and this is for you, the hospitalist, maybe they did survive, but they're going to be permanently never the same. And and both of those are horrible outcomes. And so that night, I have decided this is going to be my life going forward. I'm a father of two children. I will always see myself as a father of two children reacting to what happens to his children. This is me reacting to what happened to my daughter.
1: I'm really sitting with the part around fear and anxiety. The arc of my life, when I kind of look back, I'm 43 years old now. The things that have held me back relate to fear and anxiety and that you under duress made the decision to say and to and to recognize and self-reflect and say those don't have a role i've lost that capacity and then when that happened when that wall comes down this is what you're now capable of that is really striking and i think that that's going to be something for uh, all of us to reflect on is how are we being held back by our own fear and anxiety You had to overcome it because of what occurred, but we we all have the capacity to move past this, the barriers that that are thrown up by our own fears and our own anxieties, if possible, and are there tools to do that? And then what happens when we can? That's profound.
0: You know, I appreciate you saying that, you know, listen, the normal physical response to Things that I have done and been through is you get the butterflies, you get that trepidation. And because I don't have that anymore, I have this ability to, or desire now to go to anyone and everyone. I don't care what position they are in and to either get them to be a part of doing the right thing on this or to take them on if they're not. And it's put me in front of some very significant people over the past almost two years now, um, because of the approach. But but again, you know, I, I guess I talked. I've talked about this in some of my speeches. You know, everything in life is perspective. And for me, because I know what my baby went through is a kind of fear that I'll never be faced with. I I just it it removed fear from me. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing long term. It certainly makes my, my wife and my son worried for me. But it's, it's, it is certainly the direction that I, that I am going to continue in going forward.
1: I've watched the arc of your work. And I have seen you have those conversations because they, they make the rounds on TV and they make the rounds on social media when you do have the opportunity to speak with very prominent people. I have a much better understanding. At first, I just thought it was because you have entree. And that's, what I'm hearing is that is absolutely not the case, that this it's is not a specific approach. And that's admirable. That's, that's hard work to do. And I, I, I appreciate having that understanding. And the next time I am watching you, because I try to watch uh, as much of your work as I can, my understanding is going to be very different.
0: Well, I appreciate that.
1: I want to talk about, as you're doing this, as you're putting yourself way out there on the sharp edge, as you've kind of shed that yoke and you just say, zero F's given, I'm talking to who I need to talk to, allies. Are there people who push you forward? Are there those who fuel you? Are there those who supply you? Is that group of allies growing? Is it shrinking? I'm really curious about what the coalition that's moving you, moving Orange Ribbons for Jamie, and we'll talk about that, moving this work. What is your sense of of a coalition of allies uh, alongside you? You know,
0: it's a great question. I actually just got done writing my book, which I hope to have out in the market later this year. Oh, wow. That's breaking yeah. news. Wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And while the book tell- is about my story, the real premise of the book is about what I, I guess you can call it allies or helpers, amazing people who have either were a part of my life or have become a part of my life because of what happened you know, we we, we go around um, and we hear people say all day long, people suck. The media sucks. Politicians suck. I, I, and I, I see it completely the opposite. I've had people in the political circle or just in entertainment or just new friends or in media who could not have been more decent, more supportive and more helpful and given me more reasons to feel like I can keep on going. Um, yes, there are evil people out there, there are bad people out there. Anyone who follows me on Twitter sees that they you know, love to harass me. but I don't care about them, you know? because they're not my helpers. They're not the ones pushing me forward. What I am blown away by is how many amazing people there are who continue to come into my life every day. Um, and I, I, it's not shrinking, I can tell you that. It's new people every day.
1: What, what do you think draws them? I would imagine it's heterogeneous. What do you think of these new people right there. there, There's no money in this. There's no, we're not, you're not signing glossy eight by 10 pictures. You don't have paparazzi. You're not famous. What do you think draws people in all these different ways and all these different directions? What's your sense of the, of the magnet?
0: You know what? I actually think that people are just generally decent and good. Some people have more good fortune in life and end up in different positions but people are decent and good and as you roll through life you end up for different reasons connected to different people i don't know if it's that they're drawn or we've ended up in a circumstance where we're connected and it has and we've developed relationships that i think maybe have been beneficial to both of us you know listen there are people in politics they don't all suck. Um, who really want to do amazing work on this issue, and so we're allies. But they're also good people. I mean, and and I become friends with them. You know, when when I talk about Representative Ted Deutsch and I call him my bromance, it's because we've really become good friends. Um, Eric Swalwell, we've really become good friends. Um, the 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 time that Joe Biden took to to walk me through getting through grief was the most meaningful moments I've had since this happened or go the complete opposite direction. John Kasich, who I spent an afternoon with who I even took a phone call from the other day who cares deeply about this issue and who had a conversation with me from a, from a very um, point of deep faith. You know he is a man of deep faith. I my faith is somewhat shattered from the point of view of religion, but my faith in people is stronger than ever. We had a really amazing conversation that was very helpful to me, and me, and caused a connection to remain between us. Um, I just think when you start with the premise that most of these people you can be connected to are are not indecent that if you take the time to get to know each other, you can find areas of common ground. It's what I've tried to do, and I have found a lot of really good people there. Again, I know there are those out there who aren't. I had my 90-minute sit-down with Ted Cruz, hoping that maybe somewhere we could find a common ground that would be beneficial to people who support him and me. Um, It didn't happen, you know? And Ted Cruz is who he is, but that's okay. I don't need him, you know? So I just think what you open yourself up to, you'll find a lot of what you need.
1: As I was listening to you, I like to pick out words that I'm noticing are are repeating. And the word that was repeating as you were speaking now was connection. And I love that. I loved hearing it. I loved hearing you say it over and over. It resonates for me because this sort of, microcosm this sort of small environment that's been created around explore the space it's exactly the same thing it's people who want to connect learn from each other get better share ideas and most importantly support and elevate one another that really really resonates the person that brought me to you is someone that i met kind of in that ecosystem that you and i spoke about before we started recording and that's joe saccharin yeah and I mean a, a, a titan in American medicine an amazing yeah. person and that's how you and I ended up becoming connected was through Joe and so hearing you speak to the importance of connection and how that's the magnet that's building some momentum at least finally a sense of a little bit of momentum hearing you speak earlier that 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 feels very it feels very good it feels correct it feels really right
0: And and that's a perfect example of what I was saying. How over the past two years, for different reasons, new people coming into my life. Yeah. And 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 proving the idea that most people are decent and want to do wonderful things. I got connected to Joe through my sister. And I thought I was gonna just meet him once and, and we would shake hands and we but we become close. We share, we share. Um, you know, the 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 concerns over gun violence. Joe, as you know, is a victim of gun violence as well. He was shot in the neck. Um, and then he's gone on to have a career treating victims of gun violence. Um, but we've stayed connected. And not just because we care about this issue, because he's a really good guy. That's I've a just, really important thing though, that I think it's worth
1: pointing out specifically you you do have to be open to it right you get to meet lots of people in that moment you have a choice you can say that you you can answer their questions shake their hands look in their eyes and that's it and it's kind of perfunctory and it's over you can reply to the email thanks very much great to hear from you all the best or in our case you can say no problem mark let's reschedule appreciate your interest looking forward to engaging four months later hey i'm kind <laughs> of tired Let's try this again, but I'm in. Three months later, now here we find that you have to be open to that connection. That's something that, whether you realize it or not, you're really good at. And I think that that's a huge driver of what's happening here.
0: Well, listen, I appreciate it. Um, And I am open to it. I, you know, in the early days of this, and again, I didn't really know how I was going to go forward and i didn't know what i was going to do um i just remember saying back then anyone who wants to talk to me about this issue and doing something about it will we will talk wow. and yeah. over the past two years it's it's i've tried to talk to everyone who wants to talk about this issue not who agrees with me on this issue yeah yeah but who wants to talk to me about it yeah. No, you
1: don't put yourself in an echo chamber, and I think that that's another place of strength for you that makes you even more approachable is that it's not just, hey, great job, Fred, clap it up, keep doing what you're doing. There's a real dialogue.
0: I try. I, I yeah. think, listen, it's the reason why one of my great frustrations is that Fox Network won't have me up. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they, they – they, um, um, I've tried – um, I've even met some of their hosts, like Tucker Carlson, um, you know uh, Judge, uh, 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 what's her name, Napolitano, whatever her name is. But the reality is, there's an audience there that deserves to hear a reasonable, rational point of view on this issue, and they they won't have me on the
1: network. Have they so, been transparent with you about why? Like, have you with their their handlers and their schedules? Have they offered up a reason or just said well,
0: no? So, I mean, the, the truth is, and I just ask don't you that
1: I, same as you do, right? That's this isn't a, this is an appreciative inquiry. I don't want to leap to conclusions and I don't want to prejudge. I, I am truly curious as to whether they are just saying no, thank you, or no, thank you, and here is the explanation as to why.
0: I've been told, and, and there's been no explanation. There has been no response. I've been told they have a no invite list. And, you know, listen, I'm prepared to go into that lion's den. I'll go on with any one of them, but I would, and I would do it where only in studio, because I've been told they mess with mics and earpieces if you're remote. So, but I would do it, you know, uh, that just hasn't happened yet.
1: That would be very, very interesting, and I, I think that having you do that, it, it reinforces much of what we've already spoken about, and uh, hopefully it'll happen because, like you said, there are people that would benefit from hearing that alternative perspective, and it's not easy, right? It's, that's an exercise in stepping into tension for sure, but it's, it's work worth doing. Yeah, And I, I think that that same exercise, right, I, I like to use the phrase stepping into tension. That's one that's come up for me around this issue, learning how to sort of shed fear, learning how to recognize that as a wonderful previous guest on my show, Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, who did the uh, work around the lead contamination in the water supply in Flint, Michigan, she talks about how physicians carry a megaphone. I, I had to do that that sort of self-realization work too particularly around this issue and how do I want to use Explore the Space to to amplify things that are important, gun violence rapidly became one of them. I got to speak at Rock the Ride last year, uh, which was done in Napa, California, and Shannon Watts was there and Congressman Thompson was there and a bunch of other people. And I actually got to take the stage and speak there. That for me was that exercise in saying, this is work worth doing. I have to be brave. I have to sort of shed that fear and go forward. I feel like a lot of people in medicine, a lot of people in healthcare are doing that work, are are realizing not only that they have the ability, but building the confidence and then also recognizing that this this is part of the oath that we take, recognizing that this is a public health epidemic. What is your sense of the growth and the role of physicians and healthcare professionals in the conversation around reducing gun violence?
0: Long overdue, and I do believe maybe, if not the most critical, one of the most critical aspects of this conversation that might change this conversation permanently. Next week, I'll be in New York, and I'll be speaking Northwell Health, uh, where my brother used to work as their director of emergency medical services. They're doing a program for their physicians and residents, and I'll be speaking at it next week. Michael Dowling, their CEO, who's a wonderful man, has pledged basically a million dollars to get other medical institutions engaged in this issue. Seeing you doing this, getting to know Dr. Saccharin, what my sister's doing in Cincinnati to, to highlight it. Who better than doctors can describe the immediate physical and emotional reality of gun violence, but also the long-term lasting reality of gun violence for those who got shot and survived? Um, and, you know, while the, the federal government had been refusing up until recently to study it, the reality is doctors already knew. and. And are very able to talk about the physical and emotional toll. To talk about what that bullet from an AR-15 really does to a body. Uh, doctors all across this country, between your voice, and you have very well-funded associations and hospital groups. You could be the counterweight to the gun lobby, and and so I'm very thankful to really seeing this. Attention from physicians and hospitals in wanting to do more, because I think it can change his dialogue permanently. I have chilled I have chills and I have <laughs> not felt more inspired around this
1: issue that that this is this is incredibly exciting, and I think that what you described especially at Northwell Health, my hope is that that is the continued fueling of the galvanization that's happened around, you know, hashtag that that the the hashtag this is my lane more and more physicians speaking out. And I think part of it too, is the work of learning how to get comfortable speaking, right? We, we know what we know. We've seen what we've seen. We've, we've experienced what we've experienced. It's a different exercise, stepping on stage, coming on a podcast, writing, teaching, you, you're taking ownership, right? You are, you're, you're stamping that with your name. And I think a lot of us need to become more comfortable with that quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, am hopeful that you will. And I mean, whether it's, it's you or you see the work that's happening in Baltimore with Joe or my sister in Ohio or Northwell in New York, or the group out of UMass in you know, Massachusetts, there are so many people around this country right now in the medical world that are jumping into this conversation or even in, um, in Philadelphia, they're, they're doing wonderful work there as well. It is the more of you that get into this and say this is going to become our issue, the the more of you that will be in this saying this is going to become our our issue. So uh, it can't happen soon enough. As you were talking about the different places that this
1: has happened and you mentioned Philadelphia, I recently had Scott Charles and Amy Goldberg on the show to talk about. Scott's a great guy. Oh, my gosh. He is a Twitter wizard for sure. (laughs) <laughs> but we had an incredible conversation and that episode's gotten a lot of traction and I'm really excited about it cuz it continues to get traction the physician that I think was the most helpful for me on my journey around gun violence in particular was actually Megan Raney and she's an emergency room physician at, at, at Brown University in Rhode Island and she started a firm research and she's just superb and yeah she'll take any stage she she's she's so smart she's so articulate she's now she's done the TED talk Right. These are the names and the people that we're going to look back and say in the early part of the 21st century, they they move the narrative in this profession. And it's great to have people like you who are saying you have to do this. you got you're doing it right. Keep going.
0: Well, and that and that is the, that really is the bottom line. I, I wish it would have happened long ago, but it yeah. is happening. But it is happening now. And and and. It just needs to pick up pace and it needs to keep spreading and it needs to keep going on because it can change the conversation.
1: I also like and respect the fact that you have created a landing zone for people who are interested in your work and a place for people to, right, when they feel that need to support it, whether it's listening to you speak or helping physicians learn how to do this work or whatever the case may be, there's also kind of a, a, a growing universe where people can come and coalesce around you specifically. And that's orange ribbons for Jamie. You've got a special event coming up. Yeah, this is a new, it's, it's a new environment. And I, and I, I want to hear, I, I don't want to sound trite, but the word meaningful jumps to mind when I looked at the website for the first time. And I Thank read you. What, it's, what I read, what it's about. Talk about the genesis of, of orange ribbons for Jamie and, and what the vision of it is.
0: A lot of people think the name comes from the fact that orange is is the color of the gun safety movement. Um, That's not the reason for the name. Orange was Jamie's favorite color. And the night that Jamie died, her dance sisters, the girls that she danced with, competed with, all came marching over my house that very night in hysterics. And they all got together before that at the dance studio and made up loads of orange ribbons. And they all came into my house wearing orange ribbons that night. Um, And the next day they went back to the dance studio, they got a group and they made thousands of orange ribbons for us to have in our house, to give out at the funeral and to give out to people who are coming into our house. And so the orange ribbon became a symbol of our loss from that night going forward. A few weeks later, I was walking around in a store and somebody asked me why I was wearing the orange ribbon. And when I told them, they said, did you know that's the color of the gun safety movement? I had no idea. And when I confirmed that it was, later that day, I said to my wife, this is what we should name the foundation that we're going to start orange ribbons for Jamie. And, and so we did. And orange ribbons for Jamie was created to honor my daughter and what mattered to her in life, but also to deal with the reality of the need to educate on why her life was cut short. So we do a lot of give backs to groups that matter to my daughter in the world of dance literacy, um, For kids of all abilities. My daughter dedicated her personal time to working with kids with special needs. She wanted to be a pediatric physical therapist. And my daughter was also dog obsessed. So we're very connected with the Humane Society. Several months ago, we held a nationwide dance a thon as a fundraiser to start raising money for a scholarship program that we've started in my daughter's name. And Again, this scholarship program is for kids of all abilities. And what I mean by that is there's three buckets. One is for a kid who wants to go and major in something where you get to help others, whether it be physical, speech, occupational therapy, or medicine. But you also have to have one year of dance and you have to have community service because my daughter did. The second bucket is a kid who's going to major in dance, but they also have to have community service. And then the third bucket is for kids with documented special needs who may not go on to a traditional four year education, but they're going to go on to some post high school education. Not a lot of scholarships out there for those kids. And those families are often left financially drained because of having taken care of those kids. So we're making sure we are also giving a scholarship to that group. And For us to continue doing this every year, we need to have additional fundraisers to keep it funded. Um, And so February 19th in Fort Lauderdale, we're having our comedy show fundraiser. Uh, We have three nationally known comedians coming in. And what's really cool about this is it all started with the comedian Jessica Kirsten out of New York. And then she got Jim Brewer and Alonzo Bodden to join. Jessica is just another person who came into my life? Who had no need to, but because we got connected, we've stayed connected, and it happened on Twitter. She just sent a message. She really appreciates what I do, and and thanking me because she's a mom, and I replied back, and she said, you know, if you're ever in New York when I perform, yada yada, and I ended up going to one of her performances, and we met, and then she offered to lead on doing this a comedy show fundraiser for me. I mean, this is her idea. And so we're doing it February 19th at the Parker Playhouse in Fort Lauderdale. It's going to be an amazing night. We're going to raise money for Orange Ribbons for Jamie, um, which is the greatest cause in the world as far as I'm concerned. And um, if by any chance you're going to be in Florida, we'd love to see you. No, it, it really is an amazing
1: construct. And it's, you know, I've spent some time in the web page, Kind of looking around, it's an emotional journey. Um, I won't lie; the first time I I looked at the web page was kind of cursory, and I was like, "I'm just going to move on." But it's sort of like what you were talking about—you have to move through the fear and anxiety. You know, I have a three and a half year old son, and mm-hmm. I start to have some transference, But you know, you spend some time on this website, and you—it's a great opportunity for learning. It's a great opportunity for reflection. And I, I love this construct that there's a, there's that opportunity that when you feel that, you feel compelled to contribute in some way, there's these great opportunities to do it. We'll have links to it on the website. I really hope that the show on February 19th is is a huge success and that there's just more. And I love that genesis of it. It's just that connection. It's just people reaching out, you being open to it. And now all of a sudden we're doing this. And this will just be the first of many, right? This will This will be ongoing work. This was really, really special for me. Uh, I I appreciate you taking the time. I know that you are very public and transparent about saying, I will speak to anybody about this issue. I can also recognize that that takes a toll on you and that it's hard work. And I appreciate you making some space to come on this podcast, to come on, explore the space and and help us to learn and to get better.
0: Well, listen, I'm glad we finally got to do this. and, And I think it was a really wonderful conversation. And so I thank you for your time as well.